Welcome to Prophecy Countdown with author and pastor Kenneth Baer. Join us every week for the latest updates on what the Bible has to say about the events, the characters, and prophetic signs of the return of Jesus Christ and His coming kingdom. Make sure you not only subscribe, but like your favorite episodes and share it with your friends. Now, on with the broadcast. Welcome to Prophecy Countdown. I'm Pastor Ken Bear, and we provide two updates each week on this channel, uh, one on Sunday that premieres at 1 p.m., and then midweek on Wednesday at 11 a.m. The title of my message today is The Next Event. And when I speak of the next event, we're talking about the next prophetic, prophetic event. As the name of our podcast implies, our podcasts typically have a prophecy thread. We love answering questions, particularly about, about prophecy, but I'll answer any question uh, related to the Bible or theology. Just send us an email at prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. That's prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. And like I said, I respond to those letters individually. Um, so send us your emails because that's also how we get a lot of our, our topics, particularly for our Wednesday updates like today. So let's get started. As I mentioned, our discussion today is the next event. I'm going to take you through a number of possible events as well uh, that all happen during the what we know as the tribulation period. You know, when we look at Bible prophecy, we can identify a, a number of events. We know that the book of Revelation, for example, one of the phrases that's repeated often in the book of Revelation is the phrase, after these things. This phrase was actually given to the Apostle John by Jesus Christ. It's in the very first chapter of the book of Revelation. In, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, Jesus tells John, he says, Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, the things which are, and the things that will take place after these things. There's that phrase, after these things. What we can discover if we take a look at, at this um, that was given to the Apostle John by Jesus in verse 19, it actually provides a very usable outline. You know, John was to write first the things which you have seen. That's what Jesus tells him. And if you look at the verses just prior to verse 19, we see what John saw. And I'm going to read it to you because it's, it's amazing. It's a, it's a look at the risen, glorified Jesus Christ. This is what he, he writes. He says, And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about his chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool. Um, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, and if as, re as if refined in a furnace, and his voice the sound of many waters. Verse 16 says, And he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun, shining at full strength. Wow, this is, this is what John saw. This is, this is uh, uh, we, now this is Jesus, he's seeing Jesus, and we know it's Jesus because l later um, he identifies himself also as the Alpha and Omega, 
and also as the one that was dead and is now alive. So we don't know this is definitely Jesus Christ. The Bible says Jesus is presently sitting at the right hand of God. So what John is being seeing is actually symbolic. It's allegory, uh, but it's revealing the majesty, the glory, uh, the rule uh, of Jesus Christ in this present age. Now, this is what this is what he has seen. So the next part of the outline, uh, remember, are the things that are. John was to write the things that he has seen. The things that are was the second part. And the next two chapters after what John sees in chapter one are chapters two and three. Well, chapters two and three are the seven letters to the churches. Now, many conservative scholars, and I humbly include myself with them, believe that these seven churches, beginning with the church of Ephesus and then concluding with the church at Laodicea, represent the entirety of the age of the church that began at Pentecost and will conclude with the appearance of Jesus Christ as he comes back for his church. So the second part of the outline is the seven churches, the things that are, which is the church age that's represented in chapters two and three. Then next comes the third position or the third portion of the outline given to John and John is to write the things that will take place after these things. And what follows the second part, chapters two and three, uh, are the things that happened during the tribulation. And this is given to us at the beginning of chapter four, verse 22. Um, I'm sorry, chapter four through chapter 22. It includes, for example, in these chapters, in order, the seven seals followed by the seven trumpets followed by the seven vials or the seven bowls and concludes with Jesus second coming and the new heaven and the new earth. Now we know that this phrase after these things actually provides a transition from one event to the next because we see the same phrase repeated over and over again in the book of Revelation. I'll just give you some examples. For example, in chapter four, verse one, uh, four, chapter 4, verse 1 starts with these words. After these things, and here we, that's exactly the same phrase, and what were the things happened just prior to chapter 4? Well, again, they were the letters to the, to the seven churches. So after the age of the church, John, con John continues. He says, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice um, open in heaven. And the first voice that I heard was like a trumpet saying, come up here and I will show you the things which must take place after these things. So it's very clear that these, after these things is a transition from one event to the next event. Then we see, for example, uh, it again repeated in chapter seven, verse one, which again begins with the same words after these things. Well, after what things? Well, the chapter seven um, is after chapter six. Now, that's not brain surgery to know that. And chapter six reveals what? It reveals the seven, initial seven seals of the tribulation, the seven seals of judgment. In the seven seals of judgment, for example, are the first four seals, which we know are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Then again, the phrase after these things appears in Revelation chapter nine, verse 12. It says, one woe is past, which was the fifth trumpet. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. 
Well, what was passed? Well, the previous chapters just prior to uh, Revelation chapter 9 are the first five, five trumpet judgments. And as terrible as they were, the angel is telling John that two more woes are still to come. We see the same phrase again after these things in chapter 15. Chapter 15, verse 5 begins with this. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came seven angels having seven plagues. So the outline continues, and now the timeline of the tribulation continues. So after the seven seals and after the seven trumpets come the seven bold judgments, and they're sequential. You know, there's many people that feel they all represent the same thing from a different position, but no, my friends, they are sequential, and yes, they are terrible. So getting back to the topic of my message today, which is the next event. And remember, I said when we talk about the next event, we're talking about a prophetic event. What's on the horizon? What's the next thing? What's the next thing that's supposed to happen? Or possibly the first thing that gets us into the tribulation. We see the books, the events in the book of Revelation are sequential with the tribulation that is identified by the Old Testament prophet Daniel as being seven years. That's where we get the seven years of the tribulation. It's one week that remi- remaining. The Apostle John telling us that it's actually two periods of three and a half years, and he specifies that it's three and a half years, just to make sure we know that it's 42 months, which is three and a half years, or 1,260 days, which is 42 months of 30 days each. And he also says that it's time, times, and half a time. And that's just times meaning two, time meaning one, and half a time meaning another half, three and a half years. Jesus tells us that there, this, in this tribulation period, there's a, there's a period known as the Great Tribulation. We understand the Great Tribulation to be the final three and a half years of the tribulation, which is so horrible that Jesus said that if it was not shortened to just three and a half years, that literally no flesh would remain alive. So again, uh, I started off by saying, what is the next event, the next prophetic events? Or as, as we are l- learning, it could be the first event of the tribulation. What is it that kicks things off? Well, let me do this. Let me give you some alternatives. I don't usually do this. I usually just teach from my perspective. But let me tell you what some other very, very gifted uh, Bible scholars are, t- are teaching because, quite frankly, they could be right and I could be wrong. I'll, I'll admit to that. But I'll tell you uh, what I believe to, for the last. I'll save it for the last. So the first possibility is what's known as the, Gog, the War of Gog and Magog. Many scholars believe that that's the next thing that will happen, the thing that we should be looking for. Now, the, the War of Gog and Magog is described in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. Uh, many understand this to be a, a war between what is known as Magog, um, likely most of, of Russia is, and, and her allies, including nations like Turkey, Iran, and Libya. And it happens in the end times, and they decide to come against Israel. They decide to attack the nation of Israel in the end times. Many scholars believe this war to be the the next event or the first event of the tribulation. And there's a number of reasons for that. 
Uh, first of all, it fits, we know that it fits somewhere in the end times, either just prior to the tribulation or during the tribulation. Ezekiel tells us it's, uh, that all of, our, all of these enemies of Israel are defeated supernaturally. There is nobody that, no nation uh, lifts a finger in order to help Israel. No nation comes to their aid. And Ezekiel says that the battle is used by God to bring Israel back to him because Israel is supernaturally saved by the power of God, as God did often in the Old Testament. So it's a good possibility, but let me take you to a second option. Others say that the next event is the revelation of the Antichrist, and they're looking for the Antichrist. Now, we see the Antichrist, first of all, in the book of Revelation in chapter 6. Uh, this is, of course, at the beginning of the tribulation, and he's represented by the rider on the white horse. If you remember, we have four horsemen of the apocalypse. The very first one is the rider on the white horse, and many scholars identify the rider on the white horse um, who came to conquer and to, to be a conqueror and to conquer as the Antichrist, and I would agree with that. So it's definitely a, a possibility of the next event or first event. But here's my, my final option for you, and this is the one that I would select. It's, it's my, in my estimation, the next prophetic event that we will likely see in our own lifetime. Paul writes, for example, in the second letter to the Thessalonians about the, the Antichrist, who, call, who he calls the man of lawlessness, because there are some who had believed, this is in Thessalonia, they, there are some that had believed incorrectly about the coming of the Lord Jesus and our gathering to him. That's what Paul writes about. Paul said, don't be shaken, don't be troubled, because uh, these events can happen until two things happen first. And then he goes on and says this, and this is in uh, Second cha Thessalonians chapter, five, uh, chapter 2, verse 5. Paul says, do you not remember that when I was with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, talking about the, the, the spirit of the Antichrist, only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Verse 8, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So, so Paul is telling the church that don't be alarmed because before all of these things happen, before the man of lawlessness is to be revealed, something must happen. And what must happen is that the one that is restraining him must be removed. And scholars believe that what is restraining the lawless one and has been restraining the spirit of the lawless one for 2,000 years now is the body of Christ. And the body of Christ, Paul says, must be taken out. It must be removed. And then the lawless one can be revealed. So therefore, in my estimation, the next event, the next prophetic event that will happen is what's known as the rapture of the church. I just did a teaching on, on being caught away and why I use that term caught away because the rapture seems to, uh, seems to be a lightning rod. There are so many people that don't like that term for whatever reason, but it's, it's very biblical. It's, it's, it's spoken of by Paul in 1 Thessalonians and in 1 Corinthians. It's, it's, I think it's identified by Jesus as, the one, as he goes away and then will come back for us again. Um, 
This is what Paul refers to as our gathering to him here in 2 Thessalonians. And it comes, this rapture, this gathering to Christ happens without any particular warning. But it must happen before any of the events described in the book of Revelation um, during the tribulation happen. I believe and I teach that the rapture of the church will happen, will have to proceed what we know as Daniel's 70th week, the last seven years that has been reserved, according to Daniel, for the people of Israel. In Acts 15, and this is just, there's so many things I could teach on regarding this and why this has to happen, uh, but this is something that, I, that I've known about for a while. I kind of stumbled across my notes, and I thought I'd, I'd, I'd bring it up to you. I think it's very good. In Acts chapter 15, uh, we have what we know as the Council of Jerusalem. This is when Paul and Barnabas travel back to Jerusalem because they want the apostles basically to settle this, this decision about whether the Gentiles need to be circumcised, whether they need to follow the law of Moses. And, and, and Peter um, gives his appeal in support of what Paul is doing. And then James, who's actually the brother of the Lord, stands up. And he tells the other apostles that God is making the Gentiles into a people unto himself. And then he says, afterwards, afterwards, something's going to happen. And well, what is that? And he says, after this time of the Gentiles, the time, the time of the church, during which time Israel is set aside. But then he says, afterwards, God will restore Israel. And really when you read that, and you read it a number of times and, and pray about it, you'll likely come to the same conclusion that I've come to. Let me read Acts chapter 15, verse, uh, beginning in verse 16. Paul says this, he says, Afterwards I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord. So James is telling us very clearly that there's a time of the Gentiles, there's a time of the Gentiles, and then afterwards, after God is done with the Gentiles, this age of the church, he will then turn his attention back to Israel. And as Paul says, he'll rebuild the ruins, restore it, so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord. I believe and I teach that the rapture is the next event because the Bible teaches also that it is imminent, meaning that it can happen at any time, at any moment without any prior warning or any sign or any prophetic event. This was the teaching of Paul, who basically taught on the coming of the Lord, and he called it the blessed hope, something that could happen at any time. And it was to be taught as an encouragement throughout all the ages of the church, particularly to those Christians that were going through great difficulty. Paul said to encourage one another with these words. Definitely in the view that I believe and teach is that the rapture is the sudden and miraculous removal of all true believers from the earth, and it happens before the start of the seven-year tribulation period, when God will then judge the world and restore Israel as his chosen people. I'll close with this last comment and my last proof. We are the 
fig tree generation. You know, just after Joe, Jesus spoke about some of the events of the tribulation, this is in Matthew 24, what we know as the Olivet Discourse, Jesus continued to address the question that was posed to him by the disciples. And the question was, when will these things happen? Jesus talked about the, re, the, the destruction of the temple, his, uh, the coming of wars, and all these different things. And, and the disciples said, when will these things happen? So Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 32. He says, now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Now, I know there are many that have taught on this and have tried to set a date for when the Lord is to return. We've seen it happen over and over again. I'm not a date setter. Uh, I'm not going to set a date when Jesus says clearly that no one can know the day or the hour. However, we do have a time frame. And that time frame centers around Israel. It's connected to Israel. And Israel is the fig tree. The nation of Israel was birthed on May 14, 1948. It also conquered and retook Jerusalem during the 1967 war. So I don't know the beginning date. It could be 1948. It could be 1967. It could be some other date that I don't know of. And I'm certainly not going to give you a date when the Lord is going to return. Um, but I can tell you that we are the fig tree generation. This is a generation that will not pass away until all these things come about. Jesus is coming back for his bride. There will be a generation that will never die. There's a generation that will be alive when the Lord appears in the air. Then those that have died in the Lord will rise. And we which are alive will be caught up together with them. We will be changed. Paul says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and will forever be with the Lord. This is to be a great encouragement for us. This, my friends, I believe is the next prophetic event. As the Bible says, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to share the gospel, to be able to, to take a look at what the Bible has to say about the prophetic events that are in our future. And we give you all the praise and the glory of the Lord for that. And, begin, and regarding Israel, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we give you all the praise for that in Jesus' precious name. Nearly every day, it's common to see, read, or hear something about the end of the world, the apocalypse, or end times. Author and pastor Kenneth Baer's The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom zooms in and breaks down biblical prophecy as it relates to Jesus' imminent return and the coming seven-year period, including the Great Tribulation. Available in both paperback and Kindle versions. Get your copy on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble and select Christian bookstores. The title again is The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom. You can also find it listed by author Kenneth Baer. Get your copy today. Thank you for joining us on Prophecy Countdown with Pastor Ken Baer. Don't leave without first sharing the latest episode with your friends. Be sure to join us again for the latest updates on Prophecy Countdown.